You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Today's preacher is Pastor Brian Flammy. In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, what are we supposed to do with today? Uh, 499 years ago, an Augustinian monk named Martin Luther nailed some theses for debate to a church door in Wittenberg, and it has been said by many a historian that these hammer blows shook Western civilization to its core. To some people, Luther shattered the chains of unquestioned authority, which made room for the triumphs of secularism and the autonomous self. To others, Luther broke the church. Before, we had one head of spiritual and temporal authority, and now we have myriads. Every man has become his own pope. Now, among the interpreters of the Reformation, there is an understanding that Luther and his followers, the Lutherans, must mix their celebration with a little bit of embarrassment and shame. You see, yes, Luther brought about a kind of freedom, but he destroyed Christians' unity in the process. And so I want you to make no mistake about this. The message today for you from Rome is that you have to repent. That is the point of the 500th anniversary of the Reformation. Even the secularists who cherish their newfound freedom They will tell you to mitigate your appreciation for Luther uh, because you have to realize that he himself was guilty of being a believer. He always saw himself not as a free man, but as a man who stands under the authority of a Bible, the Holy Scriptures. None of this matters. This altar isn't here, set here today, to commemorate Luther nor a movement in his name. The children who were baptized this morning, were they baptized in the name of Luther? Of course not. They were not. Today is a day for Jesus. Jesus is the one who sustains, who governs, and who reforms his church, wherever the voices of his prophets, his apostles, and of his evangelists are heard. Luther said as much when he himself reflected on his legacy He would have preferred all of his writings to be thrown into the garbage heap if it would just just mean that we would hear the scriptures. Luther writes, It behooves us to let the prophets and the apostles stand at the professor's lectern, while we, the Christians, down below at their feet, listen to what they say. It is not they who must hear what we say. Now, to the world, the Reformation must be anything but the living voice of Jesus here in this world, saving his church from error. But it doesn't matter. They can have their liberties and their disputes over the state of civilization. We will take today what Jesus gives us. Freedom. Freedom from sin. And freedom from death. And so this morning we learn that if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. The first thing to learn is that there are two different kinds of freedom. There is freedom that Jesus gives, and then there is counterfeit freedom. 
When by faith, dear saints, you remain with Jesus in the light of his word, by this light you can see and you can discover the truth. You will see both the terror of God's anger against sin, but you will also see the joy of redemption that comes through adoption in Jesus' name. Apart from Jesus in the darkness, there is slavery. There is captivity with chains you cannot feel and with walls that you cannot see. And so when Jesus preaches this freedom to captives who began to believe him in the gospel lesson this morning, they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Now this confidence in their patrimony, in what they have inherited by blood, is truly astounding. They thought that because they could trace their lineage back to Abraham, (laughs) that they had a kind of freedom that wouldn't allow for the room, uh, that wouldn't give any hearing to the freedom that Jesus had to give. Forget about the fact that it was an obvious fact, an obvious historical fact, that they had been slaves in Egypt for generations, these children of Abraham. And forget about the fact that even at that very moment, they were under the captivity of the Romans. Now this says something about the flesh and the devil. It says first about the flesh that its corruption is so deep and it's so impossible to understand the depth of this corruption, the natural man, by his own powers, is unable to, to see the sort of, uh, the, sort of uh, the sort of mire that he's in. Just how bad his sin really is. It's not that the flesh can only perceive part of the truth. It's that its condition entails a kind of madness that warps its perception, even from those things that are obviously true, that you ought to know by human reason, but even that's been corrupted. And this is totally fine with the devil. He hates the devil's mercy so much that he will fight to keep men in this madness of seeing past the truth that stares them in the face. He'll have these men, people like you and me, who are caught up in sin, to believe that the freedoms that we have and that we cherish, (laughs) he'll have us believe that these freedoms are all that there are. That's all that we need. But dear saints, Jesus doesn't want freedom that's located in the blood of a privileged race. Neither does he speak about a freedom that sets you apart from oppressors who can bind you in literal chains and sell you for a price. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. And this is damning truth. Jesus says that if you commit sins, then no matter how free you might feel, no matter how much trust you put in your rights and your privileges, you are in fact a slave a slave to sin. 
This is the first part of Jesus' truth to the captives. They are slaves to unrighteousness. Their so-called freedoms are enmity with their Creator, and it is death under this Creator's wrath. You see, the Jews clung to their lineage from Abraham as a kind of freedom from their conscience, a freedom from the sting of, of conscience, that they are sinners, that they are trapped in their sin. They consoled themselves with, with, with being part of a privileged race. And if we're honest with ourselves, we will see that this is our problem too. The devil has invented other kinds of chains that we call freedom, but are nothing but tyrannies that silence our conscience and harden it against the truth about our sin. You see, the devil preaches a freedom from conscience through obedience to authority. This is the freedom of works. The argument goes something like this. Have you sinned? Well, perhaps. But this is why the law was given, wasn't it? This is how the lie goes. Unless uh, the law was given so that it would be a means to righting your wrongs. A means by which you can earn back your righteousness. But this fights against Jesus' words. Jesus says, if you practice sin, if you do sin, you are a slave to sin. What this means is that you can keep the law perfectly. But if you sin in just one place then it shows to whom you truly belong. St. James writes, For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has has become guilty of all of it. And St. Paul also writes, For by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. There is another trick that the devil plays. Uh, It's that we can flee from uh, the accusation of conscience by imagining a life without the law, without accusation, and without judgment. And this is the tyranny of license. It's by saying that there is no such thing as sin, as guilt, as judgment. This is the tyranny that insists that whatever lifestyle that you find pleasurable and good, no matter how depraved it is, according to God's word, it's fine. Who are others to judge you? And who is God to really judge you? This is the fashionable trend of our day, about which St. John writes, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. The problem with wishful thinking is it's exactly that. It's uh, imagining a state of affairs that are actually quite contrary to the fact. There is a God. He has given us His law. And by this law, He would judge us. The insistence of not having any sort of guilt does not remove the guilt, nor does it remove its penalty on the day of judgment. And then finally, there's a kind of tyranny that the devil has set especially aside for the Lutherans like us, especially on a day like Reformation. You see, he would have us trust in our associations, in our, in our citizenships, in our alliances, right? He would have us think, you know what? I belong to the Lutherans. I identify with them. God must smile upon the Lutherans, right? 
uh, he must really appreciate and love them. This is the temptation to celebrate the Reformation as, uh, uh, as a day that you know, has sort of these sort of semi-German uh, characteristics uh, that are bound up with purchasing all kinds of things with Luther, uh, Luther's portrait on it, you know, and uh, appreciating the fact that by my association with this group that I am part of a special class of people. Um, the problem with putting our fear, our fear and our love and our trust into associations and citizenships is that it forgets about God's word and it forgets about faith. This also cannot escape the fact that if you sin, then your true citizenship is not with Christ, it's with the devil, and you're still held fast in his chains. These are the false freedoms. And the fact is, you cannot flee from conscience. And if you cannot flee from judgment... then where will you have your hope? Jesus says the slave does not remain in the house forever, and this is true. The slave in the devil's kingdoms can only expect a brief moment in the presence of God. That moment lasts just long enough for him to look at you and to say, you are guilty. You have sinned. The expectation is that you would be obliterated by His holiness. But then Jesus goes on to say, but the Son remains forever. Now, to be a part of God's family, to be His child, if that's what it takes, how is that to be possible for you? Jesus promises, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And with these words, Jesus takes the chains of the devil's captivity, which would have you look to your blood, to your works, to your pleasures, to your loyalties, and then Jesus shatters them. God's Son, you see, has taken it upon Himself to make it His work to set the captives free. How does He do it? Not because of anything that you have done. He does it freely, by grace, through adoption, by making you a member of God's family, and by paying the price for it with his own blood. St. Paul writes, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons... God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Again, St. Paul writes, In love, God predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace, with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. You see it. This is not a freedom from conscience. It is a freedom of conscience. It sets your consciences at peace with the fact that now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ 
for all who believe. Your righteousness, your standing before God's throne, and your place in His house is a gift from the Son. You have it, and you keep it by faith, by hearing and believing Jesus' promises, the promises, the very same promises that come through Jesus' baptism, through His absolution, through His preaching, and through His body and His blood. Dear saints, the devil's chains no longer hold you. The devil no longer has any claim on you because you are baptized. You are free. The Son himself has set you free. And therefore you are free indeed. To God alone be the glory. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.